the axe of the blood god. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cat Bailey. With me today, as always, is my lovely co-host, not Steve Tramer. It's actually Nadia Oxford. She's back. I am back, and I'm trying to keep my cats from walking all over the keyboard. How are you all doing? We were already talking about this on the US Gamer podcast, which you should go totally subscribe to over on iTunes. But Nadia, how was Otakon? Did you survive all of the cosplay madness? I did survive all the cosplay madness, and I actually chronicled it for my column on Wednesday. So you should go back and check out all the best of the gaming cosplay that I recorded and uh, shared with the world. I think it is a valuable thing to share. What was your single favorite bit of RPG cosplay? Two things. Number one, something I put on Twitter was the uh, two cosplayers from Persona 5, a Yusuke and a Ryuji, both in Get Smoked hats, and... Ryuji was holding a picture of the Sayuri, and the baby in the Sayuri had a Get Smoked hat. <laughs> and I put that on Twitter, and it got like 1,500 likes last I saw, at least, and it's still going. Um, I also liked the, so many Team Skull cosplayers, and some really took it above and beyond. Like, there's actually a team that had, like, like the gangster ring, uh, Ursa ring with them, and, like, you know, they had, like, text boxes that said, like, yo, we're, you know, Team Skull. We can't pay the rent because our youth was misspent. It was just fantastic. I gotta say, and you know, we should probably, I don't know if we ever did this, but it would be actually a lot of fun to do uh, a podcast that's like the top 10 or top 15 RPG villains. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like, agree, that would be a lot of fun. Like, I think Team Skull's my favorite Pokemon team. Oh yeah, by mine by far. Uh, there's no argument there. Uh, I'd love to do that. Oh, and one thing that I did see at Oticon that was really kind of affirming is uh, there's a lot of near uh, cosplay. Mm. So, well, yeah, there was that news article recently that apparently Nier Automata saved Platinum, so... Yeah, yeah, I can believe it. I- I'm really glad about that, even though I haven't played Nier yet, and it's really on my to-do list. Who would have thought, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I-, I will say that, uh, getting back to Team Skull really quickly, I-, I think the thing that I like about them the most, aside from the fact that they're hilarious, um, is the fact that they're also weirdly, like, real. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. when you go to Team Skull Town, like, you're in the town of the Lost Boys who are... <laughs> It's really actually kind of creepy. Like you're in a meth den or something. It's like something straight out of Breaking Bad. It's really creepy and it's kind of sad. They have no electricity. They can't even run the electricity in the Pokemon Center. I can't remember how they get it going, but um, you just kind of see these two Pokemon standing off in a corner, obviously talking to each other, and that's all they do all day. It's just a really run-down, grimy, awful place, and the only like kind of sign of luxury is Guzma's castle i don't know what you would call it mansion and it's just also a rundown wreck full of like you know broken windows and, and broken floors and stuff like that so i'm gonna quickly rank the the pokemon teams all right okay all right number one is team skull okay uh number two is team rocket the originals yes. uh I, I think number three has to be team aqua from ruby and sapphire because i mean psh, they look like freaking pirates they uh, do, i think they're kind of cool yeah uh team magma um yeah, they have crappy motivations. They want to, like, destroy the oceans, which doesn't make any freaking sense. Yeah, and Team Aqua, like, wants to flood everything. Like, I think their motivations are a little off-kilter, but whatever. <laughs> uh, let's see. That's, uh, we're up to four, was it? Uh, yeah. Number five, um, probably, like, the Crusader guys from, like, 
uh, black and white, um, just because they were kind of interesting. Like, like I guess they were decent thugs for um, uh, the main the main quote unquote villain, who uh, is just a really interesting character. Wants to sit, wants to free all of the Pokemon. Oh, him? Yes. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't remember the villains from X and Y, if I'm being perfectly honest here. Um, and then there's the uh, yeah, Team Galactic. I think they're the worst, actually, because <laughs> they're just they're just a redux kind of of Aqua and Magma. And uh, yeah. I don't even remember what their motivations were, but they sure did look really lame, like Star Trek villains. Wasn't um wasn't uh, X and Y? Weren't those like Lysander and the guy who looks like the Canadian Prime Minister? Uh no he's a he was the good guy uh uh Doctor Sycamore yeah he's cute I may um, be confusing the Crusader guys uh with X and Y with the team from Black and White because I remember so I know that like in Black and White their like stated goal was like there were terrorists who were trying to free Pokemon that was kind of interesting yeah yeah, okay, yeah that was definitely Black and White was that the kid N or whatever his name was yeah I mean that was the kid uh with the green hair yeah yeah, yeah he was. I would wager that he's the best single character to ever appear in Pokemon, just because he's so weird. He was a very odd character. I-, I did like him, but not as much as Team Skull and Guzman and all of them. On the subject of Pokemon, um, one of the topics, so here are the topics we're going to be talking about today in the podcast. One of them is Undertale, Yay. which is now out on the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation Vita, and Nadia is going to be able to share her love for that one. Uh, we're going to put together our perfect RPG party from just across all of the RPGs because it's fun. I mean, what yeah. can I say? Like, like our ideal RPG party. Um, uh, yeah. So we'll, I'll talk a little bit more when we get to that, and we'll round and we'll wrap up with your comments from last week. Uh, you guys had plenty to say about our RPG battle system episode and including like we found a rare bird, Nadia, a Final Fantasy 2 defender. Wow, I am like my hats are off to you. I'm not talking about the SNES version either. No, no, we're talking about the get hit in the punch yourself in the face to build a defense uh, game, right? Yes. And if I run out of gas, like I apologize. This is I believe literally my fourth yeah this is my fourth podcast this week um yeah cats been going all cylinders this week yeah like i i was doing u.s gamer podcast i was on two podcasts in a row last night and here's acts of the blood guide so <laughs> yeah it just no the wheels just never turn keep turn stop turning and we are heading right into review season two so it's yep. going to it's not going to slow down at all is it nope Sorry. Indeed. All right. So, Kate, or sorry, Katie. Nadia, see, <laughs> I told you I'm kind of tired. Uh, Nadia, uh, Undertale, it's out on PlayStation 4. PlayStation Vita 8.4 had a hand in that uh, localization in Japan. Um, you said that, in fact, they might have added borders, which was kind of interesting. They did. Um, when you go from region to region, because there are, of course, several regions in the game, uh, the borders change as you move from place to place, and, that, and that's really neat. Um, there's not much in... I think there's actually really nothing in the way of new content, which is fine. They make it very clear. There's nothing new in the way of new content except for the borders and the Japanese text. And I'm really kind of interested how this game has taken off in Japan. Um, I don't know if you saw the uh, the release trailer for the game. Uh, we were kind of featured on it. Rather, our review was that Bob Mackey wrote back in the day. Um, but it kind of had a quote from Famitsu talking about how in that you know kind of cutely naive japanese way they're so surprised at how we, how, how much we love 
JRPGs and we actually kind of made a game like you know to, to make tribute to to their genre and it's like yeah do you know how long I've been playing JRPGs dudes but <laughs> anyway so so that was kind of nice and I guess like I've, it's kind of it's nice to see something of ours really resonate with them over there I I, I don't want to like so I, I think there's like a certain self-deprecation in Japanese culture um like just you're naturally expected to be self-deprecating um in mm-hmm. everything that you say anybody who says i am awesome people are like <laughs> right <laughs> uh and i think that goes double for like japanese culture like they're just trying to be humble but in okay, reality that, i can appreciate that but they're also kind of thinking oh yeah of course they like japanese culture like we are so <laughs> famous and awesome cool japan like that's a uh that's a uh, a marketing campaign over in japan that shows rei ayanami in like a, a kimono like standing near mount fuji like which is it's meant to promote like mm-hmm. the cool aspects of i guess japanese geek culture so right, that would be right. cool for jrpgs but uh for the five people who don't remember who don't know what undertale is could you put the series into context and explain it a little bit uh it is like a it is definitely a tribute to earthbound but it's not just earthbound it is kind of a tribute to jrpgs in general and it is also a parody of jrpgs like it's it's funny how it uses JRPG tropes to both tell a very kind of heartfelt story and to make fun of itself. It's hard to explain without spoiling everything, but I did write a lot about the ending of the game and the the end game. So um, if you don't mind spoilers or if you just want to talk about it some more, by all means head over there and read my thoughts because I still think Undertale has one of the best end games of any JRPG ever. And it also has multiple endings, um, oh, so yeah. you have to kind of go through, um, and in fact, you're strongly encouraged to play through multiple times, because chances are you aren't going to get, quote unquote, the best ending. Is it a case of having the best ending, or the worst ending, or is it just different endings? It's hard to explain. Like, um, there is a neutral pathway, which is what you get if you kill even one monster, and even if you just go through the game passif- like as a pacifist the first time around. Um, if you get a neutral ending, that's kind of an ending in itself and depending on how nice you were you, you might even you might wind up being friends with the monsters and leave on good terms or you might leave on really bad terms um but then there's the good ending the real ending which is uh which is kind of what you what your ultimate goal is is to get that ending and to to really resolve everything and wrap everything up and conclude the story and then there's the genocide ending which is actually harder to get than you would think uh not only because you have to kill every single monster in the game which takes more time than you would think but because you have to go up against super bosses who try to stop you, and my god, like I have never been able to do it. Some people can, I cannot. Mm. And there's also the emotional toll that doing the genocide route takes on you, because if you play through the game even just twice through, and you've seen like the neutral path ending, and you've seen the good ending, then you kind of have to go back and say, okay, I'm going to kill all these people I made friends with. That'll be, that'll be nice, that'll be fun. No. No, it won't be. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's not just a matter of I suck at the boss battles. I just, the emotional toil is a bit too much on me. You know, this kind of gets back to how I have a hard time often, uh, I have a hard time being evil in RPGs. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. to be evil in, in Undertale, you have to be really, really bad. Like, you have to make an effort to sit there and camp out and kill every monster who comes your way. And just the game gets dark real fast like everything changes like it's even as by the time you get to the first town the music changes the characters attitudes towards you change the ones that haven't fled from you like it's just it's just a bit of a, a mind screw yeah uh I, I think the thing with 
being evil in RPGs is that it usually entails you like committing horrific crimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm the kind of person who a like I want to be nice. Mm-hmm. And B, like, I want to just, um, I don't know, I want people to like me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of the same way. I, I feel bad when, like, even when a game gives you, like, kind of a fun reward for being bad. Um, I, I can't bring myself to do it half the time. I just, it's, I guess it's just kind of in my nature to try to be nice to people and try to get people to like me. And to go against that just really makes me incredibly uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that once in a while I, I might hurt someone inten- unintentionally. Or even just like, you know, have a bad day because I'm, you know, tired and hungry. But <laughs> as far as slaying nice monsters go, uh, it's just not something I want to do. Uh, when it comes to the Simpsons, so I've been thinking a lot about the Simpsons. And for some reason, it's making me think of that doll uh, from one of the Halloween episodes, the, the crusty, crusty doll. The oh, switch. somebody turned this from good <laughs> to evil. There you go. That was a talking <gasps> Tina parody. It requires me, like, when I'm playing an RPG, I am so often just kind of playing myself. Mm-hmm. And I guess it just, I think when you're being evil, often you're getting your aggression out in a game, mm-hmm. right? And I don't have a lot of aggression to get out in a game. No, neither do I. I'm not an angry person. It doesn't mean I can't get angry, but I just don't have a lot of pent-up aggression. I'm kind of easygoing. I'm trying to imagine you with aggression, Nadia, and I'm just not seeing it. Like it's, I, it's literally impossible for me to imagine you with aggression. I used to be a blue belt. I was good. At, I was good at karate once. Oh, really? Yeah, I was. Except uh, when people realized I was so short, they started punching me in the head, and that made, <laughs> so I started losing tournaments really fast. Oh wow, that's terrible. <laughs> but I had really good reaction time because video games. Can I tell you a secret? Actually, sure. I was a black belt. Really? With what? In in karate? Yes. Uh, in, well, it was in Taekwondo. But yes, oh, I, awesome. I did I did stick with it long enough to eventually get a black belt. Sweet. That's awesome. So that's one thing that I can put on my resume. Catherine Bailey, black belt. No, I was in Shotokan karate. Oh, right on. <laughs> so can you like still beat the snot out of someone? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I'm not nearly flexible enough. And uh, like, I'm not exactly out of shape, but mm-hmm. like, it's been literally probably two decades since I last like did anything in karate because I was like in, you know, this is when I was a teenager. But a hell of a thing. that said, you know, if I ever got attacked, I would not be surprised if mm-hmm. like my muscle memory like actually kicked in and I started doing moves that I learned when I was a teenager. Exactly. Right. So uh, they always told me in self-defense courses that the best course of action, if somebody grabbed you, was to kick them in the shin. Ooh, yes. Yes. Uh, either kick them in the shin or karate chop them in the bicep. And yeah, we, were, we were told not to kick anyone in the balls because they'll expect it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so stomp on their foot, kick them in the shin, karate chop their arm, and run, even if they mm-hmm. have a gun. Don't mm-hmm. get in the car. It's so one thing that always bugs me when I'm watching um, a like a show where they're like, "Get in the car," and they do, and I'm like, "Oh, okay. well, first mistake," because they'll just <laughs> now you're now you're screwed. You 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 can't escape. Get out of there. Just run. Yeah, not if they have to chase to you down. It's okay, or like get just don't let them put you into a situation where they can drive you somewhere mm-hmm. and then put you in a ditch. So <laughs> exactly, probably. This not has alive. been your self defense like course uh, for the day on Axe the Blood God, a US Gamer podcast. We'll teach you how to use actual axes someday. So would you? So okay. So 
Undertale is the first instance in which you can actually play it on the Vita. But so Undertale requires a fair amount of um, precision, if I'm mm-hmm. if I'm correct, uh, in dealing with the battle system because you're kind of dodging around things a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, would that be kind of hard with the uh, the analog stick? Um, I don't have any major problems, to be honest. When I first played the game, it was on PC, of course, but I used a controller, as I recall. Um, I'm pretty sure you can use a mouse and the arrow buttons, and I'm sure that's probably a little more accurate. Anyone who's doing, like, uh, the final boss battle against Sans, I'm sure they're going to want to use arrow keys, uh, but um, th- that's not me. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I don't have a major problem with the, the D-pad, like the uh, analog stick. It's a, it's a fairly forgiven game. There's a lot of healing items. There's a lot of things you can buy. You can buy armor, even if you're taking the pacifist route. That doesn't mean to say you won't die. There's even a secret armor you can get that really makes things super easy. But um, that's kind of that kind of throws the game if you crap it. Hmm. So yeah, uh, I was gonna say that like playing on the Vita would be kind of annoying. I think playing with that teeny tiny little analog stick. I use the D-pad to be honest with you, and I haven't noticed any really? major issues. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, yeah, Undertale, uh, it's a really good game uh, that came out, was it two years ago or last year? I think it might come out last year. Oh, my God, it feels like like it just came out in some ways. It's kind of weird. It was two years ago. It's still relatively fresh in my mind, but... um, I think it was Nadia and Bob's like game of the year uh, when it came yeah, out. Like both of there. you guys were just completely over the moon. Um, now it's out on console. Um, hopefully, it'll come out on Nintendo Switch at some point in the near future. But uh, yeah, it's I good stuff, good right? Game. Yeah, it would be great for the Switch. <laughs> uh, indeed. Okay, moving on to our second segment, and uh, I think we're kind of like treating going easy breezy with this mm-hmm. uh, this episode, Nadia and. In that regard, I, I think a fun, easy breezy topic is kind of going, putting together your best five person, like your your favorite ideal five person RPG party from like any RPG mm-hmm. that was ever made. Okay, and so I I proposed that, and that you had to do roles, right? Like you couldn't right. just be like, like you had to create kind of a party, right? So right. you had to have a leader, like here's the main character that you want in your like ideal party um and then i was like and then the mage the cleric the tank and the dragoon okay so it's kind of a a western rpg type uh setup or i mean a classical rpg kind of yeah, setup yeah. going back to D, right so yeah. yeah so let's uh so let's start with our leaders okay um okay. nadia who is your leader huh, me first huh I actually chose uh, Ryu from the Breath of Fire games. And now he is not the most charismatic character, but he is nice enough that people like him. And most importantly, he can turn into a big F-off dragon. And when you are in a dragon form, even though you do have your limitations, because you can only usually maintain that form for a very limited time, you can do pretty much anything. Like in Breath of Fire 3, he's particularly versatile. Like he can turn into literally Tiamat, uh, just like, which gives him, like, all these powers of, like, darkness and, 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 like, you know, magic. And he can turn into a behemoth, which makes him, like, incredibly, like, hard to hit. He can turn into, a, like, a really agile sort of warrior form of dragon. He can turn into a, a classical dragon over across various elements, not to mention all three at once if he really wants to. Uh, Ryu gets the job done. 
because uh, he can just oh, and he can fuse with with characters to like make like really cool fusion dragons. So he's cool. He's nice. He's really powerful. He can turn into several kinds of dragons. That's all I really require out of a leader. Wasn't he kind of <laughs> OP in Breath of Fire? Oh yeah. <laughs> like, uh, what's the solution to everything? Turn into a dragon and mess every, things up. It, usually, except in two, he kind of sucked in two because uh, Capcom bugged out the dragon transformations. Uh, whereas, like, you have uh, your fire dragon, your ice dragon, and your thunder dragon. Except neither of those dealt any elemental damage for some reason. But it was a kind of a blessed with suck uh, uh, situation, though, right? Because um, there was a chance he could be stuck as a dragon. Could he? I, I don't remember that. I don't know. In, in, in which game? You are stuck with the. You are the breath of fire expert in this case. <laughs> so I, I may be wrong. I recalled this being like a curse of some sort, or um, like what's his background? Oh. Like why can he turn into a dragon? Okay, I know what you're talking about now. Um, Across the first four games, he can turn into a dragon because he is a member of this dragon tribe that um, can turn into dragons, basically. Uh, in two, he's half dragon, half human, so there's that too. But it's the same deal where there's like a dragon tribe and he's one of the lost members or the last members, etc., etc. He can turn into a dragon, end of story. Breath of Fire 5, that was a weird one because he, could, he kind of found a dragon that was a, a biological weapon and he bonded to it. And yes, the more you use the dragon in that game, the dragon form, you do risk becoming the dragon, literally. Like, Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, there you are, yeah. If you get to, I think it's called your D-ratio, and if, it's like a, if it reaches 100%, it climbs every time you use the form. Um, if it reaches 100%, you get this really grisly game-over screen where you just see like his silhouette like, you know, get become malformed, and like you just hear like something burst from him, and he screams, and it's horrible. Ew. <laughs> so... Yeah, you're right. He can turn into a dragon, and if the dragon basically takes over his whole body, that's that's game over. So he's One not a silent ways. protagonist. Not always. He screams. <laughs> I don't think he was silent in five, but he's kind of silent across the other four games. Okay, so he doesn't really have a lot of dialogue, actually. No, he does not. Interesting. So what's his primary like character trait, aside from being able to turn into a dragon? Uh, he is. He's got blue hair. He's got fangs. His fangs are kind of cute. So um, you went with a, a silent protagonist, essentially. Yeah, although it's interesting to say that in Breath of Fire 3, you play as most of the, or at least half the game, as him in a, as a kid form. And he's one of those really cute characters who pantomimes everything in when he's a kid. And just, like, you see him just, you know, like, one of my most favorite things in a game ever is, like, when you first get, when you first get control of Ryu, um... He every time he tries to attack, he like kind of turns away and swings a sword and screams like a little kid. But once you team up with Nina, who's also a little kid, first to begin with, he kind of gets a little bit of bravery and strength, and he like kind of stands up and swings more confidently. I just thought that was really cute. But yeah, he's mostly a silent protagonist. You went with pure strength for your leader. Yeah, he is versatile though. He does have like uh, he does have um, healing spells, and I think he, he can revive characters. It depends on the game, but usually he's he's quite versatile. All right, all right. So here's my leader. I thought a lot about having like Squall, <laughs> but I didn't. I don't think I wanted. I decided I didn't really want an unrepentant jerk ass as my uh, my leader. I so. Sorry, doesn't he become nicer? Like he comes becomes softer, doesn't he? Uh, that's true. He's not a totally unrepentant jerk ass. Just mostly an unrepentant jerk ass. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yes, he is. Because I think 
there is a point where he like he's walking across a bridge and he was like huh uh, this girl is nice and i kind of like her maybe i shouldn't be such a jerk or something <laughs> character development. Uh, all right yeah no like he's literally thinking he's like man i'm kind of a jerk oh well he's kind of an awkward nerd too yeah yeah like definitely he, like when he's being pulled into dancing but no my my protagonist and i think anybody who knows me is gonna kind of predict who this leader is gonna be and that is lenneth valkyrie from <laughs> yes. valkyrie profile who of course is a, a total badass and she is not a silent protagonist um mm. in her game she has either a bow or a sword um and I prefer the bow, and she can attack up to three times with this bow, including an explosive shot. Um, and if you can get her meter up high enough, she can activate her super attack, Purify Weird Soul, which will do a large amount of damage uh, to an enemy. Like, she mm-hmm. like grows the wings and everything. Um, and it's a really cool animation, to be honest. But um, there are other things that she can do. Uh, she can use magical gems. Uh, to do a fair amount of damage. Um, and also, she has different skills and abilities. Uh, so, for example, if she gets killed, say, by uh, your dragon, um, she can uh, have the guts ability and revive. Yeah, that's actually something that happens in Breath of Fire as well. Ooh. Exact same term, guts. The higher it is, the more likely you are to revive. Exactly. Like so, and in fact, that is a very like important skill because you pretty much want it on all of your characters. Because there's yes. a point in Valkyrie Profile where probably an enemy will use a total party kill attack, who will uh, proceed to annihilate your party, um, and you have to hope that guts activates on at least one of them, and then mm. you use like the revival abilities to bring them back to life, and then keep yes. going. Yes. But I have always liked Leneth because she's kind of no-nonsense at the beginning. But as the game goes on, she, her, you learn more about her. And you learn about how she is a... Uh, spoilers, if you don't want to know about spoilers of Valkyrie Profile, maybe fast-forward a couple minutes. But she uh, is a character, like, when she is asleep, quote-unquote, she's in the real world. So she's living the regular life of a mortal, and in fact, you watch a uh, you watch a, a cutscene where you watch her die. Actually, um, she's an abused girl who's about to be sold into slavery, and she escapes and she wanders into a field with these flowers that will put you to sleep permanently. And she ends up dying, and that's when she is revived as Leneth. And so, and then they seal off all memories of her previous life when she comes back to life as a Valkyrie. But of course, she meets her old boyfriend. <laughs> and is starting to remember and a lot of the game is like kind of unsealing her memories and that kind of thing yeah um, there was a spiritual successor to that game wasn't there that we played a spiritual successor yes there was and it wasn't very good so i don't remember it very well yeah i just remember that whole sleeping in the real world thing yes um but by the end of the game um if you get the really good ending uh the world ends because of ragnarok which mm. <laughs> as norse mythology people not yeah. uh, that's not a spoiler uh odin gets eaten by a wolf etc 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 but she can basically bring the world back like she right. revives the world like she she becomes god 
So, like, yeah, no, uh, I, I think Lenneth is a very cool character. I love the design of her. She has great lines like, get thee hence, oblivion awaits thee, and things like that. <laughs> or, come to me, dark warriors, battle awaits us. So, yeah, she's totally going to be my leader. Jeez, like, she is my, the leader of my party. So, all right, so Ryu is your party leader, and Lenneth Valkyrie is my party leader. All right, who is your mage, Nadia? Mage, let me see. I actually came up with a cleric, but... Um, okay, okay, that's fine. Who's your cleric? Okay, I was going to go with uh, Angelo from Dragon Quest Eight. Um, All right. Because he has some really handy abilities. He's, he's kind of versatile with them. Like, he has Heaven's Gate or Pearly's Gate, whatever it's called, which is like a really great screen-clearing uh, spell towards the end of the game. Plus, unlike most clerics, he's not a wimp. He can use his bow to great effect. He actually has a, a spell or a skill that he can damage enemies and absorb MP, so he kind of goes into this infinite loop of, of like, uh, destruction. Um, he can buff, he can debuff, he can, uh, of course, heal, he can revive. Uh, I like a mage or a healer who can, or a cleric who can also dish out some pain. And that's one thing I actually like about Final Fantasy XII, is that even if you have a white mage, they're not going to die if you push them over. Like, they can keep on fighting. So you don't like pure healers. You like pure healers who are totally OP because they can both attack yes. and... Yes, totally OP. Other, like, I hate, like, I just feel like I'm wasting my time when I have some white mage swinging a stick at an enemy and totally missing even though they're right in front of you. So tell me more about this character. Like, what are they like in the game? Angelo? Oh, he's a jerk. A total he's jerk? A, he, he's, a, he's a bit of a jerk. He's, he's So wait, you got a silent protagonist and a total jerk <laughs> so far in your party. Yeah, yeah, you don't it, like the personable characters, do you? He's personable. He's just he, he, it takes him a while to come around. Put it that way. Now, if I did have a mage, like a pure mage, I'd probably choose Golbez from Final Fantasy uh, Four. Okay, uh, you can you can play as him in the After Years, and yeah, he's he's also kind of a jerk, but he's a good jerk. He's uh, people call him Good Guy Golbez because in in Dissidia, he's the kind of character who's like all dark and and you know Darth Vadery, but he's not evil. He has good advice for everybody. He's a good dad. What I'm learning is that Nadia doesn't care about party dynamics so much as, are they OP? Yes. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, can turn into giant dragon, uh, <laughs> OP cleric that can do lots of damage and also heal a lot and everything. So perfect. Okay. It's good enough for me. I mean, maybe they'll kill each other around a campfire because they can't stand each other. It's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm just getting a window into Nadia's soul right here. <laughs> what was that about not being aggressive? Indeed. All right. Uh, so uh, since you listed your cleric, I'm going to give my cleric. Mm-hmm. And uh, my cleric is Umbreon from Pokemon. <laughs> That's awesome. Umbreon's my favorite Eevee. So, okay. So, I mean, we have Lenneth, and then we got a team pet, right? Aww. We got Umbreon. Yeah. And see, Umbreon's really good because... Um, See, Umbreon was better in previous games, but unlike, you know, some of the original 151, Umbreon has managed to kind of hang around. Um, Mm. I would say Umbreon is actually probably my favorite Eon, a favorite of the Eevee family. Um, Yeah, same here. So I like have all of them for different reasons. Like Flareon's my contest uh, monster. Um, I've always liked Jolteon. Like I like the combo of Jolteon and Umbreon, or sort of Vaporeon. Mm. I think Umbreon is cute, but I've never had a lot of use for Umbreon in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and Espeon is cool, but probably my least favorite Eon. And then there's yeah. also the other two. There's the grass one and the well, cute one. Cute. 
Yes, there's the grass one and the cute one and Glaceon, which is the worst one. Um, but Vaporeon, like, is pretty good because Vaporeon is a bit of a tank. Mm-hmm. Um, Vaporeon can use Substitute mm-hmm. uh, to put up a block against people who are... So, like, sub- Vaporeon can switch into an attack uh, or absorb, like, a water attack or something, mm-hmm. throw up a Substitute when they have to switch out, and then use Wish... And then switch over to and can like baton pass a wish mm-hmm. over to uh, and maybe even a substitute over to a- another monster, which is like really useful for healing. Mm-hmm. So uh, that wouldn't, uh, depending on the, sy- the system, it would be a little harder. But I suppose if you use wish in this context, um, you can get some pretty decent party, party healing um, yeah. while also having a monster that's really hard to use, kill. Also, uh, Umbreon, or sorry, Vaporeon can use, um, I have been saying Vaporeon this entire time, right? You started with Umbreon. I was a little ah. confused at first, but I think you, re- you meant Vaporeon. I meant Vaporeon. <laughs> All right. Vaporeon. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Vaporeon. Uh, Vaporeon is also cool because uh, you can use Surf um, and... Uh, and hydro pump and surf like is very useful because surf can hit like all of the enemies like that is like when you are fighting multiple pokemon at once surf is an attack that will hit everybody right so uh, that is a very useful like area of effect attack um so in that regard like vaporeon can just hit lots of different um uh, hit lots of different like ticks a lot of boxes very useful and oh my god it's so cute it is cute. I like its big tail. I love Vaporeon. It's, it's what a great Pokemon. Like, uh, probably my favorite Eon uh, alongside Jolteon. So. It's probably yes. telling that, like, uh, if you, uh, before Pokemon Go restricted one Pokemon to each gym, one, one type of Pokemon to each gym, there were so many Vaporeons everywhere. Like, you'd, you'd see entire gyms full of Vaporeons. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're really powerful. Yes, yeah, so Vaporeon is super OP in Pokemon Go. But mm-hmm. I got a team pet. So take that, Nadia. <laughs> I don't think I have one of those, although I do have some animal men, so they kind of double. Who's your next character? My tank was actually another Breath of Fire character, and that's Rand. Um, he's a pangolin. Pangolin? Pangolin? Kind of a one penguin. Of those a penguin? Penguin? No, no, like one of those little armadillo things that aren't an armadillo. Pangolin? Okay. And well, anyway, what is this character from? Breath of Fire. Okay. Uh, two. I mean, um, you're loading up on the Breath of Fire characters. They're they're very diverse and very interesting. But this guy is... Um, the reason I always liked him is because he was the first character I really knew who was a tank and a healer. Um, he does, he takes a little less damage than you would think because he's a huge hulking guy. But um, Sorry, he takes a little more damage than you think because he's a huge hulking guy. But he can also heal. He learns some really good uh, healing magic. And he can he has his uh, this skill that can has a 50-50 chance of reviving a dead character... Uh, without using any MP, so that's pretty cool. And uh, his uh, his uh, he lived on a farm that uh, with his mom, and he left home, and then he goes back home, and he sees like the evil church is trying to take his mom's land, even though mm-hmm. you know the mom worships another god, and it's all very JRPG ish. Okay, um, and what does this person bring to your party? Like, so they're just a really strong tank. They're they're a good they're a strong tank. They have that uh, innate revival ability. Um, they have a really interesting character design. That's one thing I always loved about the Breath of Fire games, even when they themselves are imperfect. They always have these really interesting character designs. Uh, he's kind of stupid, but he's nice. 
So he's not like going to like cause any uh, division around the campfire. He'll just go along with whatever's whatever's being said and whatever's being done. So what you're saying is, so you have a silent protagonist, and uh, you have a, a kind of a jerk in Angelo, <laughs> and then you have somebody who's like doop 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 doop. I'm yep. nice, basically. Yep. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Okay. So here's my tank. My tank is Robo. That's a great tank. Yeah. That's another healing tank and he's he's really strong. He can't if I'm not recall if I can recall correctly, he doesn't no, he does have an innate magic ability, doesn't he? Like shadow. Uh n- he has the ability to heal is the main thing. Yeah. Like yeah. he has the uh like he I think one of the th- reasons I ended up using him a lot was because he could heal the entire party without mm-hmm. the without having to resort to dual or triple techs. Yeah, like and that's he, really handy. Yes. So like he is the only like character from Chrono Trigger that I would consider using because like he can like dish out a lot of damage mm-hmm. without having to worry too much about um uh without having to worry rely too much on characters who don't have double and triple techs mm-hmm. and he's strong like mm-hmm. he can do a lot of damage so this is where this is where my like kind of OP character comes in right like <laughs> yes. he's he's a tank he's got a lot of HP can take a hit uh, great support character can heal the entire party, and suddenly I got a great one-two punch, right? Like I'm yes. a very, I've got a very tanky party here yeah, between Vaporeon and Robo, right? So yes. like, bam, bam, like I got so much healing. When I'm oh, building no, a party, um, I always like load up on healing as much as humanly possible. Yeah, so do I. I'm paranoid about healing, but uh, Robo, if I'm not mistaken, his only real weakness is magic. He just crumples under magic attacks. Mm-hmm. So you have to watch out for that. Oh, yeah. You totally have to watch out for that. And also, one of the problems is I don't have a lot of support in terms of being able to, like, buff and debuff my party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that is something that, like, you have to totally have to take into account, you know? Mm -hmm. But, you know, so the right armor and accessories can do something about that, probably. Yes, I would think so. Um, I would maybe like having some kind of ring, for example, mm-hmm. uh, that can like deflect magic or attaching an accessory that can absorb uh, certain elements um, mm-hmm. or just buff up their special like defense and everything. Yeah, and in Chrono Trigger alone, I know that uh, there are several kinds of armor that do that, um, particularly the ruby vest and the ruby armor will half or quarter your uh, fire damage alone. Indeed. Okay. Nadia, what's your next character? My healer is Eris. So we already had a cleric. Yeah, but I want another one. <laughs> I want a well, healer. So you're, gonna, you're loading up on healers. Okay, okay. I, I guess I'll choose a dragoon. Uh, you're going to say Kane, but I'm going to say Kane too. Oh, man. We're gonna, are we going to have to fight for Kane? We're going right. to fight for Kane. I will Instead fight of Kane, Kane, I am going to take uh, the rat lady from Final Fantasy IX. She is cool. I think that's Freya. Freya. Freya, she is awesome. All right, I'll take Freya instead because okay. uh, I like Kane. But um, okay, so <laughs> all right, so I guess I just spoiled it. But um, but they're both Final Fantasy characters, obviously, and I think we both have an affection for dragoons, even though they're rarely very good in a Final Fantasy <laughs> game. They suck, but I love them. Uh, but it, I mean, Kane's pretty good because you can jump away from an mm-hmm. attack. Mm-hmm. And like totally avoid an enemy attack, right? So yeah. like, 
if you see a something big happening, like let's say your character, your lead Ryu's about to turn into a freaking dragon or Angelo's about to do one of his <laughs> OP things, like I can totally get Freya to jump and then come back down and do a large amount of damage. Yeah. And uh, the interesting thing about Dragoons across uh, the Final Fantasy games is that from game to game, they have different abilities, different strengths, and different weaknesses. Um, I do know that in Final Fantasy IV canon, Kane has a dragon, but you never see it. Uh, it'd be really cool if he could. But it'd be cool if he could work somehow with with uh, Ryu in my party, because oh. Ryu's a dragon. He's a dragoon. Hey, hey. Party synergy. Yes, there you go. I finally ah, I like where you're going with that. Yeah. Well, here's yeah. the advantage that Freya has over uh, Kane. Freya has a limit break. Oh, that's right. Kane doesn't yeah. have anything like that. Freya has a has the trance attack, mm-hmm. so she can like for a a period of time become extremely strong. So in that regard, I think I have a major advantage over you, Nadia. Yeah, you probably do. Um, actually, uh, Sid, not, yeah, Sid from Final Fantasy. Seven was a dragoon, and he also had a limit break where he just freaking call in his uh, his airship to bomb to bomb the hell out of the enemy. <laughs> That's a pretty good limit break. Although he could also summon a dragon in, with another one of his limit breaks. Mm, so that's another dragoon uh, ability that um, kind of shows up from time to time. Unfortunately, it wasn't in four though. Yeah, like Freya does not have much of a Freya does not have much of a role in. Final Fantasy IX, like I would say, she's an extremely minor character, but I always liked her design. Why is she yeah, a rat yeah. lady? Uh. Yeah, I, I love her design. I, I like. I'll be honest. I've always liked rats and rodents. I always thought they were neat. I mean, I've always loved Redwall, and I never really cared about Ninja Turtles as a kid, but I loved Splinter. So, oh yeah, there you go. Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay, so my party so far: Leneth, uh, Leneth, Vaporeon, Robo, and Freya. <laughs> <laughs> Leneth is my leader. Uh, Leneth Valkyrie is my leader. Uh, Vaporeon is my cleric. Robo is my tank. And Freya is my dragoon. And your party so far is reused your leader. Um, you got Angelo as kind of a cleric type. Um, you have uh, Kane as your dragoon. And who else do you have? Rand from, uh, he's my tank. From, Rand. Uh, from Breath of Fire 2. All right. Who is your final piece of the puzzle? Final piece of the puzzle, I think we agreed on a thief. And... I'm really torn between Locke from Final Fantasy VI and Duster from Mother 3. I think I'm going to lean more towards Duster because he's a less conventional pick and he has very unconventional attacks for a thief. Um, he has, uh, you know how Mother 3 is a game that is uh, rhythm-based in a way? He has a skill that can hear the enemy's heartbeat, which lets you attack more efficiently by you know, letting you kind of go along to the beat as you attack which is part of Mother 3's battle system. But he also has other uh, abilities, like he can lower the defense of pretty much any enemy, uh, including bosses, and it doesn't require any MP. He has items that do the trick for him. Mm. And he's just a very interesting character in that he, you know, usually a thief is a, uh, you know, a suave, you know, sleek sort of crafty dude. He is kind of sad and, and old and balding, and his his hip is was broken, so he walks funny. But he, he's, he's very, very good at what he does. So hmm. I always liked him. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's always nice to get some Mother 3 love in there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Can you use the rhythm battle system there? Does Mother 3's battle system accord them any like special uh, advantages? Uh, basically, 
it's funny because the the pendulum attack, which is what makes you hear the heartbeat, it's really more for your benefit than for theirs. So that's kind of interesting. You're kind of breaking the fourth wall there in a way. Although it's a mother game, of course you are. So I never thought of it that way, but yeah. All right. Uh, for my final character, I'm going to get a little OP here, uh, <laughs> Nadia. My, for, my final character is a mage. So I have the leader, the mage, the cleric, the tank, and the dragoon, um, who's kind of a DPS type character. But my final character is a mage, um, like an offensive mage, and that is Morrigan from Dragon Age Origins. And I think Morrigan is the best character by far in Dragon Age, along with um, her mother, who's her played by cool. Kate Mulgrew, um, yes. Captain Janeway from Star Trek Voyager. But uh, I, I I really like, um, I, I really like Morgan because first of all, like she's a very mysterious character from the start. I mean, yeah, she's designed as kind of a gothy character, but I kind of have a thing for gothy girls. What can I say? <laughs> like the purple lipstick and all that stuff. She's kind of like Lulu. Yes. Um, yes. she's extremely sarcastic, mm-hmm. uh, and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, yeah, no, uh, she's very powerful. Um, she has tons of just really, really, really strong offensive spells um, that can take out the entire uh, room. And I really like those kinds of area of effect attacks, right? Like, I love to loot, load up on healing as much as possible, especially total party healing, which is what Robo and uh, Vaporeon are. Yeah. And I love having, like, just room-clearing spells. Um, And so, and Morgan is amazing for that. And beyond that, like, I think that while you have, like, Freya's, Freya and Lenneth are very straightforward, like, characters who, so they would be a lot of fun. Like, they would be just, you know, kind of, kind of one-dimensional. I mean, Lenneth would occasionally say something really badass. You'd have Robo being Robo, Vaporeon being the team pet, and Morgan would add the personality, right? Like she, like Lenneth would say something badass, and Morgan would just kind of give her a look like, really? Okay, whatever. (laughs) Just give her the silent look. Also, Morgan would add the the romance aspect of it, like, because... the, well, I mean, you can romance Morrigan in Dragon Age. Uh, you can, you can have if you're the male character in Dragon Age Origins, you can have her carry your child. Oh wow! Yeah, it's like you don't know what she's gonna do with this child. <laughs> she's gonna take this child away. You can't. You're not allowed to ask any questions. But you do get a night of passion with uh, Morrigan. So, uh, like, there you go. That's a, one more interesting aspect. Oh, it just occurred to me, by the way, that I don't have a single male... I mean, Robo's technically male, but he's also a robot. He's a robot, yeah. Yeah, so I, I really went, like, really lady-heavy with my party construction, but... I think I overloaded on males. Yeah, mm, interesting. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but there you have it. Uh, so, Nadia, run through your party one more time. Let's see, we have Ryu as my leader, we have Rand as my tank, we have Kane as my dragoon, we have um, uh, Duster as my thief, and who was my fifth one? I am blanking. Angelo. Angelo, yes. How could I forget Angelo? So memorable. (laughs) Very much so, apparently. (laughs) All right. Uh, My characters are Lennis Valkyrie, Morrigan, Vaporeon, Robo, and Freya. Um, Do me a favor. Um... 
tell us what you think of our parties. Um, maybe tell us who you think would win in a fight between our two parties. Probably not. And uh, I, I don't know. Like Ryu might be re- Ryu and Angelo might just make for a really powerful combo. Like yeah, I might not have enough. Uh, I, I might not be strong enough to withstand their attacks. Someone so, has to make a, a custom game now. Well, we don't have enough buffs and debuffs is the problem. So, uh, so I, I, I think that I don't have a traditional tank tank uh, mm-hmm. that you can uh, block for me. So I, I think that would be one of the problems uh, when fighting your party is that if you might just dish out so much DPS that I end up dying. But, you should have called for Rhine time. Yes. <laughs> uh, and also do me a favor, like, uh, go ahead and create your own perfect five-person, five-character party. Like, you can, like, be thinking in terms of party dynamics. You can be thinking in terms of, like, like how they work together. Or you can be thinking in terms of, like, whether or not they're OP. Or you can think about, like, personality, right? Like, uh, kind of like how I was. So I- I'm curious to hear what you uh, think in that regard. Don't leave a comment or send us an email at usgamer at usgamer.net Okay, as usual, we're going to read a few of the comments from the previous episode. The first one is from Melkor. If you don't go down Ryuji's storyline and see him coming off as a confusing, brash, and unlikable character, he becomes a pretty deep character that's trying to work through some of his prior mistakes. His character grow, spoke to how I grew up, so I was on board. Also, it was pretty apparent his left leg was broken as you train with him. That becomes a part of his story. Kamashita was most definitely involved in breaking his leg. My bigger issue is that An, Morgana, and Yusuke have all been a little disappointing after coming off of playing through Persona 4. They don't seem to have the same charm that Yosuke, Chie, Yukiko, and even Teddy had at a similar time investment into the game. Ryuji is my kanji equivalent, and I was not disappointed. Nadia, uh, Ryuji, for some reason, is not a liked character. Uh, what do you think of him? I, I, I like Ryuji. He's just... He thinks on a different plane of existence, and that's something I really like about him. I mean, this is the guy who went to Hawaii and bought a lobster not to eat, but because he thought it was beautiful, he, he treated it as a pet. Um, he's he's had a very strange upbringing, and I think a lot of people forget that. Like, his, his sensei, if, to get into spoilers a little bit, his sensei raised him, um, and that's all he knows. All he knows is that life, all he knows is his art, and he's very suddenly very almost violently ripped from that life and thrust into the outside world. So yeah, he is he is awkward, he is weird, but um I don't really I don't really translate that as blandness. I mean, he just once in a while comes out with this really bizarre line like what are you thinking? Who are you? What is your problem? So also he's a good fighter. That's all I really ask out of people. Okay, next one. That's from Talrain. Uh, Final Fantasy II Defense Squad incoming. Well, not really. Final Fantasy II is kind of terrible, but I created what I am pretty sure is a definitive English language guide on it, so I have to at least mm. make a token effort. Good for you. Good for you. Good uh, do not, in fact, have to cheat to win in FF2. You can play the game legitimately and do perfectly fine, but only if you have a complete understanding of the game's totally opaque systems and numerous bugs. I've beaten the original Famicom version multiple times without ever using the target cancel bug, attacking my own party members, or even spending time or MP performing completely useless actions there are a few truly unfair parts of the game where random chance or just can just screw you over the same is true for ff1 and ff3 the most important thing to note when playing ff2 is that customization is a lie sure it seems like you can create a hybrid sword mage but it will be terrible and the game won't tell you why stick with the basic ff tropes except red mage and you'll be much better off you also need to plan ahead and play into the systems 
For instance, don't heal damage taken during a fight to maximize your chances of gaining MP. If you're really daring, heal up during the next fight, which can level your cure spell and help gain MP. The game has a ton of bugs, two of which have a particularly large influence on your game's development. Any spell that targets the whole party can raise Furion's spirit, making him a good choice for White Mage, and your two middle characters are twice as likely to be targeted as your first and fourth characters. Which is why if you leave Maria in the back row, 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 Guy will end up with a ridiculous number of HP. He'll be taking two-thirds of the hits for the party for much of the game. All that said, I actually would agree that FF2 is the worst battle system. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rider Kicker says, We may be seeing a, a version of abuse of power in the abdication of the responsibility of the abuse of power through a Japanese lens. But to say it doesn't affect us, Americans or Canadians or Englishmen... Western countries, not just Japan, are dealing with a nationalistic streak where reactionary politics are either gaining power or in charge of so many people's livelihoods. Read the news about our own president and his party as they target the most vulnerable and turn them into the demons that supposedly threaten the livelihoods of Americans. Japan may have its own set of problems ranging from a lack of justice and sexual assault victims, young people working themselves to death, a stagflation, and much more, but they are hardly unique as across both sides of the pond, we're still dealing with them. This, The context for this, uh, Nadia, is that Steve was like criticizing Persona 5, and he was arguing that it might not end up holding up well because it is a very Japanese game that is speaking directly to the Japanese people um, about very Japanese events. And uh, I don't quite agree with that. Okay, well, what are your thoughts? Um, I think uh, it's very true, this whole the nationalistic streak. Yes, it is... Uh, very much uh, taking hold of both sides of the pond. Uh, plus, Persona also had um, the the very idea of just the the news cycle being as fast as it, as it is that people who are like loved one day are kind of reviled the next day, and that that happens with the Phantom Thieves in the game, and it happens in the rest of the world too. So, and if I'm not mistaken, yes, to be fair, Persona Five was written with a Japanese audience in mind and with. Uh, Japanese uh, problems in mind as well, but that's not to say those problems aren't universal in many ways. All right. The Challenger. My only real problem with FF2 is the extremely high encounter rate. I wish Square had done something with that in the subsequent release. That's one thing that's like a total bugbear with me. I hate a high encounter rates. My God. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, I haven't played much of Final Fantasy 2, but uh, I did watch, I think Pro Jared reviewed it. And he brought up how if there's so many dead ends in that game, and there's so many empty rooms, and if you go into an empty room, it puts you smack in the middle of that empty room, and you have to backtrack out, which means taking extra steps, which means getting almost certainly into at least one random encounter. So that sounds really, really aggravating. Johnny Boy 407 says, I hate, hate, hate FF8. However, I'd like to hear a retrospective on it. And hey, if you happen to do it in a few parts, like a report segment, I'd play along. I'm willing to give that game another go. Favorite battle system, FF10. I also really like the elemental systems of Persona and SMT, using type weaknesses to knock down or gain extra turns. Mm -hmm. I suppose I just like when battles are also puzzles to solve. I agree with Kat on her thoughts on Tails' battle systems. They're not for me. Um, Yeah, I said that Final Fantasy VIII is probably my secret favorite uh, Final Fantasy. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I could not stand that battle system either, but it has been years since I tried it, so mm-hmm. I would definitely be willing to go back and try it again. Final Fantasy VIII is one of those games where I love the characters, and I, I like the story. Um, I really, really liked Laguna. I'd love to play a whole game with him, but um, yeah, just I, I guess because I was, it was, I was still relatively new at JRPGs at the time, contextually, and it was such a different battle system that I, I didn't feel like I was doing anything right. 
because it didn't have the dependable attack magic item run. And to, to just title to ask me to do like these junctions and draws and weird stuff, it kind of it made me feel bad. All right, Donkey in the Forest. My favorite overall RPG system are those like Baldur's Gate, KOTOR, FF12, Dragon Age, ones that can just keep going in real time during the simpler encounters, but can be paused and function completely as turn-based systems when you need to get more granular during the more difficult or or puzzle-like battles. I also like when games are really hard, but beatable without grinding if you really strategize, and when they also give you the option to grind if you just want to brute force your way through. One of my best friends and I often enjoy many of the same games, but I tend to die more often than often trying different glass cannon techniques techniques and he grinds and builds up the characters and hardly ever dies i love that grinding and leveling can basically be a built-in difficulty slider i hate that i think that is lazy difficulty (laughs) balancing grinding is the worst it is a archaic and unneeded amount of padding for games and that is my thought on that lastly i really love sorry what were you gonna say oh it said meanwhile i'm just gonna slip on a pair of headphones and try on my ipod i'm just grinding away here (laughs) I mean, me. you are talking to the lady who once rode back and forth just incessantly hunt, hatching literally dozens of eggs in Pokemon. So That's true. Lastly, I really love the judges system in FF Tactics Advanced series. You are the only one donkey in the forest. Much like the <laughs> oft-maligned weapons breaking in Breath of the Wild, it really encourages you to try different things all the time and try approaching battles from different angles. I also prefer the lack of load times, colorful sprite graphics, and lighter tone of FFTA to the original FF Tactics, but that's another story. All right. Last one. This is from Yuck. Tales was my favorite RPG series when I was a kid, mainly because I was playing Nintendo games like Zelda and Smash. The real-time combat was familiar and fun, and I found more traditional turn-based battle systems to be boring. But I agree, it also feels like it lacks depth. And as I've gotten older, I've been less engaged in the newer Tales titles and more into turn-based and strategy RPGs like Persona and Fire Emblem. That being said, Holy crap, I love the Tales of Grace's battle system. It has more complexity, and you often couldn't just hack-slash your way to victory. I remember some very frustrating boss battles that I played with my brother, where we had to be extremely coordinated and really conscious of our actions. Definitely on my list of games to eventually replay. Yes, Tales of Grace's F got a whole bunch of love from a bunch of people that I was seeing online. Just out of curiosity, Nadia, what is your favorite battle system? I I really dug... Uh persona 5's battle system um i know it was very much this, i kind of got a taste for it in persona 4 but it feels like persona 5 i really started to realize what it was about with the plus persona 5 added the baton pass which was really handy so yeah it kind of has it's challenging but it also has a familiarity of a turn-based battle system but you do have to know your elements so you do have to know your weaknesses plus you have uh, in persona 5 you have negotiations are back so you have to think about well do i want to try to get this persona on my side do i just want to waste it I really enjoyed it, although um, by the end I was like, okay, I'm sick of fighting enemies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and if you want to share more thoughts on battle systems, favorite battle systems, send us a tweet, um, or drop us a line in our in the comments for this episode, or, you know, send us an email at usgamer at usgamer.net. All right, Access Blood God is a U.S. Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. Um, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Please do me a favor. Leave us a review. Tell us why do you like us. 
because we like to hear positive feedback from people. And if you don't have positive feedback, maybe just reserve it to Twitter and don't leave us a negative review. We love you. Thank you very much. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Kappa. You can find Nadia at Nadia Oxford. Of course, follow us on Twitter, uh, US Gamernet, Facebook, US Gamernet. And uh, every Tuesday and Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1% p.m. Eastern, we stream. We've been streaming player unknown battlegrounds nadia was streaming uh like she's doing snes classic reviews so she streamed that uh we streamed some nidhog today like we've been streaming all over the place so tuesday and thursday come and join us hang out with the u.s gamer crew we would love to come see you and of course check out our other podcast the u.s gamer podcast nadia and i are both on it we record every wednesday and we post then Please subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever. If you need us to add, be added to your favorite podcast app, you can just go get the RSS feed, which is in the show notes. But we will be back again, as always, next week to talk about more RPGs. I got a game, Nadia. You know what game I got? It's a game that I want, isn't it? It Dragon is Quest a game. Alert. It is a I game that it. you want. It's sitting on my desk right now. I'm looking at it. Oh, but it's all in Japanese. I, I haven't... I'm going to Portland this weekend, so I'm not going to have a nice. lot of time to play RPGs. So I'm going to bring Sonic Mania with me, and it's going to be great. Yeah, that's uh, a good choice. Currently, I've been watching our tweet deck, and it's just like one long stream of get goods, and you <laughs> suck, and you're terrible, um, because we posted an op-ed pointing out that the uh, save system is needlessly punitive and probably wastes your time. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's how it goes. But in, in any case, I'm gonna have I'm gonna enjoy my Switch. I beat the second Divine Beast, by the way, just to, not too long oh. ago in Breath of the Wild. So I'm going for the third. I just yeah. got to figure out how to get into Death Mountain. Uh, that's always fun. Uh, got to get that armor. But okay, we'll be back next Friday as always. But for Nadia and myself, thanks for listening. Until next time, happy adventuring. <laughs>